We are live. It's episode 29 of Dreadful Talk Podcast. And um, I'm excited for this one. I'm rolling solo this week. It's been a while. I like to, you know, mix it up every once in a while. But um, but yeah, rolling solo episode 29. We almost 30 deep. Um, thank you for each and every person that's been, a, you know, part of this journey. Whether you've been a guest, whether you've just watched an episode, whether you've subscribed and liked on YouTube. Thank you. I appreciate, you know, being a part of this journey. It's been a lot of fun, um, you know, between getting married and starting these podcasts, you know, 2020 has actually been a good year for me. I know it hasn't been good, you know, for everybody and, you know, RIP to those that we've lost. And, uh, but yeah, 2020, I mean, it's been a crazy year, a unique year. I'm going to look back on it fondly though, because of the inception of, you know, dreadful talk and beefy boys. And, um, yeah, for those interested to see the shirt that I'm wearing, um, for those watching on video, this is Dreadful Talk Long Sleeves, now available for purchase. Um, just shoot me a DM at Dreadful Talk Dom on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, for those that have me on Facebook, pretty much however you need to reach me, feel free to reach out. And uh, yeah, these are for sale, shipping nationwide, um, accepting you know payments through pretty much any online payment platform so yeah just reach out we can work out a deal if you want to buy multiple or we still have some beefy boys breakdown shirts available they look just like this sign over here to my left and um yeah we uh, we can work out a combo deal if you want one of each but yeah these shirts are super comfortable super high quality already out of extra largest so they're going fast get while the getting's good and yeah um, I did have a guest, you know, fall out last minute, you know, um, part of the game, you know, I hate when it happens, um, you know, really rubs me the wrong way. Cause you know, I like, you know, if I made a commitment, I would honor it, but Hey, you know, life happens. I get it. It's close to the holidays. It's 2020. It, if 2020 has taught you anything, people, it's that you got to be able to adapt on the fly, change plans, adjust, adapt. And that's what we're doing here on Dreadful Talk episode 29. We're rolling with the punches. Wasn't going to let anything or anyone take the wind out of my sails and the train and the momentum that we got building week after week because we did not miss weeks here on Dreadful Talk Podcast. You can find me every week on at Wednesday. Um, rare, rare occasions. It may be on Tuesday or Thursday, but I try to keep it on Wednesdays. Um, and yeah, Dreadful Talk, consistency is key, baby. And yeah, we're coming to you episode 29. That's 29 weeks in a row, essentially. Let me spark up this little joint here, and then we're going to talk some NBA basketball. NBA season tipped off last night. I'm a big basketball fan. I know a lot of you guys are, too. Let's talk some hoops. We keep it 420 friendly here on Dreadful Talk. You're listening. You're watching. Feel free to, you know, partake, and we can we can party together. Got some nice Romulan right now. I got this shit. It's tested like 34%. So, should make for a good episode. So, what I'm going to start with, and it's it's one of the things that make the NBA so damn interesting, is, is the off-season acquisitions. Because NBA teams like to swap partners like some fat middle-aged people at a fundraiser dinner in Tampa. They like the, they're always switching partners, switching teammates, switching teams. There's trades, there's free agency. Um, you know the NBA is pretty much known for just very active offseason players switching teams, big name players too, not just players on the fringe. So um, that's where we're gonna start. 
And for, you know, those that know me personally, I am an OKC Thunder fan, um, originally from the Oklahoma City area, and I'm an OKC Thunder fan, so, um, you know, I, I'm going to, you know, forgive me, I'm going to try to, you know, cover the whole league, but, you know, I am going to, you know, pay certain emphasis to, you know, certain former Thunder players and, and the Thunder as a whole. Um, I know a lot of my audience are Thunder fans, too. But we're going we're gonna to cover everybody, but... I say all that because the first place we got to start, I know he didn't play for OKC last year, but for myself and for a lot of other Thunder fans, <clears throat> we got a special place in our heart for Russell Westbrook. You know, he did a lot for the city, a lot for the community. You know, he that whenever KD left, he essentially put the team on his back. And while you won't catch me saying that he's not a very flawed player, and, and, you know, it, it, if I, I'd be lying to you if I told you, you know, when he played for the Thunder, if every time he shot a three-pointer off the dribble, I probably took a couple months off my life. But uh, still got love for the guy. And he's going to be in new digs this year. Um, he got out of Houston. I, I, I think he wanted out of Houston. Um, I do believe that's what he wanted, and I believe he got what he wanted. But kind of the whole... Be careful what you wish for thing because he ended up on the Washington Wizards, which I don't think anybody's clamoring to go play for that organization. Um, what's in the water in that time? I mean, I guess the Washington Nationals are pretty good, are really good. But uh, besides that, what a shitty sports town, right? You got the Washington football team. You got the fucking Washington Wizards. But yeah, so... I don't know. I'm I, when I when I saw my boy, my dog Westbrook went to the Wizards. I mean, I, I mean, uh, it was hard to get that excited for it. Uh, I would say everybody keeps saying so. He essentially got traded for John Wall. So John Wall went to the Rockets. Um, Westbrook went to the Wizards, and I keep seeing everybody online on Twitter and you know different places saying that. It was a, oh, what a lateral move, lateral move. And, and at first, I thought the same exact thing. But that if you think about it, that's kind of a slight on Russ because John Wall's coming off of an Achilles injury. That's I mean, and his whole game is based off speed and explosiveness. So I know Russ has had like some, I think some meniscus trouble and some. I mean, he's you know, he doesn't have a clean bill of health, but uh, compared to an Achilles injury, I mean. John Wall, in my opinion, is much more damaged goods than, than Russell Westbrook. Um, you know, I, I so on one hand, there are a lot of similarities between John Wall and Russell Westbrook that I could see the people, you know, saying it's a lateral move. But I do think that, you know, the the Wizards came out of this a little bit ahead. Cause like I said, um, Westbrook is not coming off an Achilles injury, first and foremost. And then just, we all know about that toxic kind of, not really vibing and finger pointing and blaming culture that goes on down there at Houston. And, and apparently now James Harden wants out. Apparently James Harden's not interested in playing with John Wall. What does, what a shit show is going on down there at the Houston Rockets. Uh, I do not blame Russ for wanting out. Everybody keeps saying the lateral move is John Wall and Westbrook. I think the lateral move is going from dysfunctional Houston to dysfunctional Washington Wizards. But, you know, like I said, maybe I'm just trying to look at Russ with a silver lining here. I do love the guy. But, yeah, um, Wizards, they have some young talent. Um, they, they, they've been kind of focusing on, like, these, like, um, 
European wings, kind of hybrid wings. I think they got a couple of them on the roster. Their long European names are evading me at the moment, but they have some nice, like, European prospects on the roster. Uh, you got that Rui, Har uh, Rui Hachimura, I think is his name. He's a, he was a rookie last year. So they got some young talent. I definitely don't think they're in win-now mode. I mean, some could say Russell Westbrook in the East is enough to make the playoffs. I mean, he made the playoffs as an eight seed in the West by himself. I do think that Thunder team that he got to the playoffs, though, was a lot better than this Wizards team that he just got traded to. But we'll keep it pushing. But I am, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy for Russ. I guess, like I said, if he wanted out of Houston that bad, I'm, I'm glad he got out of there. Um, maybe he can be the spark that the, um, you know, um, that the Wizards needed. I mean, he has chip, he has Finals experience. He has, you know, a ton of playoff experience. Um, that's something, I mean, I know they've made it to the playoffs a few times under John Wall, but, you know, usually early exits and, you know, maybe even, I think, some sweeps thrown in there. So, not the type of experience you want, even though it's experience. So, I think they come out of it with much more playoff experience. I do think Russell Westbrook can, not will, but can be enough to get you to the playoffs in the East. And I'm sure if you're um, a Washington Wizards fan, I mean, I'm sure making the playoffs would be enough to... You know, for you to call that season a success, and honestly, for you to call the trade a success, considering John Wall's injury history, and just, and I think off the court, like as far as being a member of the community, you know, Westbrook, I'd rather have Westbrook in my community than John Wall in my community. Hey, it is what it is. You know, not everybody can be choir boys, um, but but yeah. So also going to the Rockets, um, and I think it was more of a free agent than a trade. Was was Demarcus Cousins? Yeah, another Achilles injuries guy. I guess we could call him the Houston, you know, the Houston orthopedic surgery patients next year. Because, I mean, we've got two Achilles guys um, that are essentially supposed to be their best two players next year. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever attempted that. Like, I don't know if anybody's ever attempted to have, you know, two Achilles injuries guys be the one-two punch. Um, hard to see it really, you know going that well I mean I'm if I mean I'd be pissed if I was a Houston Rockets season ticket holder especially the way James Harden's acting right now I'm definitely not on board with that I don't know I, I mean some sports debate groups on Facebook it seems like some people are trying to take Harden's side like feel free to die on that hill he's being a fucking asshole an immature selfish asshole um, which we know we've all been at times, but I try to, when I'm an immature, selfish asshole, I try to make sure it only affects me, not like a whole team, a whole city, a whole organization. But yeah, it seems like he's doing the best he can to tank that organization. Um, next, and this is Thunder related because, you know, last year, Chris Paul did what most people, I'll even be completely honest, myself included, thought was impossible. And that's take this super young, super kind of just randomly put together OKC Thunder team to the playoffs. And and, and they, they exceeded everyone's expectations last year, myself included. I mean, trust me, when it comes to the Thunder, you know, I try to be as optimistic and silver lining as possible. But going into last year... It just, it was like Shy Gilgis, they did have Dennis Schroeder and Chris Paul, which, you know, they all play the same exact position. I was like, how do you go into a season with your three best players all being point guards? Like, I thought it was going to be a disaster. I thought one of them was going to get traded halfway through the year. 
Um, I, I thought, you know, picking top five, I thought it was going to be a shit show. Um, Chris Paul, man, you know, I've spent, you know, a lot of my NBA fan career not being the biggest Chris Paul fan, but man, what he was able to do last year with that, with that OKC Thunder roster, kind of hodgepodge young guys. I mean, he was probably 10 years older than, you know, 80% of the roster, um, and he took him to the playoffs, and he, he was like a coach on the floor. He was getting guys where they needed to be. Um, managed to somehow make it work with your three best players, essentially all being point guards, um, all being veteran point guards. I mean, I know Shai's young, but I think it's still it's like fourth year in the league. So the fact that Chris Paul, as a lot of people say, he can be prickly, hard to work with, not the greatest teammate. I mean, I don't know. He managed to make that work. Last year with OKC Thunder team, and and the re and I say all this because in this offseason, he he got moved to the Phoenix Suns, and the Phoenix Suns are in a kind of similar boat that the Thunder team was in last year, with the obvious elephant in the room exception exception being Devin Booker. Devin Booker is a certified stud, you know, All Star. I mean, just elite player. However, it's him and a bunch of like random like whiffed draft picks or a lot like they feel like they have like 90 wings on the on the roster like it's just kind of a mix and match of players and Devin Booker but they brought in Chris Paul and, and like I said if they would have done this last year I would have been saying the same thing about the Suns team that I was saying about the the OKC Thunder last year like oh Chris Paul is not enough to like you know do that anything special with this team this roster there's still a piece or two away blah 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 but given what Chris Paul just showed us last year with last year's Thunder roster he got that team to the playoffs I mean and I'm not the only one I mean it's hard to not expect you know I don't want to say big things like not change but bigger things from this year's Suns team because while being a flawed roster and far from perfect, I mean, I think most people agree Devin Booker alone by himself is enough to elevate that roster over last year's OKC Thunder roster. And then, like I said, Chris Paul was able to get last year's OKC Thunder roster to the playoffs. So, I mean, kind of A squared plus B squared equals C squared. It's hard to imagine the Suns not making the playoffs this year. Uh, now... Some would argue that this year's West is, is deeper than last year's West, but I think also an extra team gets in this year. Or there's the play-in game situation, eight or nine through nine and ten play-in. So, you know, that may kind of cancel each other out. Uh, but I could easily see the Suns um, making the playoffs. And after being like a perennial top five picker for the vast majority of this century um, and just being a complete dumpster fire, like with the like I said, with the exception of the Devin Booker pick, and I mean he's been you know lighting it up, but losing a bunch of games. So, yeah, I mean the Suns as an organization, going back to the Steve Nash and Maurice Stoudemire days, have proven to like you know being capable of putting a winner on the floor. They're not like a you know a perennial shit show, but they have been for you know the you know what have you done for me lately? Not a whole lot. Um, but. I'm a big, big Devin Booker fan. I think his skill set is very unique and very effective and very lethal. And then you, um, but the the problem with Devin Booker these past you know couple of years since he's kind of established himself as as an elite guard in this league is is he a two or is he a one? I mean, I think everybody knows his true position is two. 
But with the lack of talent and lack of ball handlers that have been on that Phoenix Suns roster these past couple of years, he essentially had to be the primary ball handler, like kind of like how James Harden eventually just kind of became the one, even though he's still a two. Or you know what I'm saying? It's because so you can be the two, but you know if you have like an undrafted free agent bringing the ball up court, essentially the ball's gonna get to Booker and he's gonna run the set or you know make something happen off the dribble and. He essentially became the like de facto point guard, which is not his natural position where I where I think he can be best utilized at. And obviously, you know, the Phoenix you know, organization feels the same way because they brought in the purest, most old school, stereotypical textbook point guard in remaining in the league, which is Chris Paul. Now, if they would have brought in like a like a, like a Damian Willard type point guard or like, you know, like a Westbrook John Wall, those guys, those primary scoring point guards. I could see that being a bad fit with Booker, but the fact of just Chris Paul's defense and leadership and passing ability, I think he's going to just get Booker into his spots and like where he needs to be on the floor. And I think Booker's going to have an even better season. Like, I don't think it's going to be the, is there enough basketball to go around with a guy like Chris Paul and the lack of talent surrounding him. I think there's going to be plenty, plenty to go around for both of them to, to thrive and, and man, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching. They got the sick new jerseys. They know it's a big year for them. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been a long time, so I can say I've been excited to, you know, see what the Phoenix Suns have in, have in order. But, but yeah, here I am saying it. They they have um, an exciting roster on paper, at least, and, and let's see what they can do. We're also, you know, this is a 72-game season because of the short offseason, so there's typically 82 games in an NBA season. This year, only 72. I think, um, you know, I think that make, gives even more parity to a league that is already, you know, closing the gap between the haves and the have-nots. Um, you know, the, the league was already showing more parity, more even, more competitive um, across the board. Um, you know, 1 through 10 on East and West, you know, that's a lot better than in years past, a lot closer. You know, there's no obvious Golden State Warriors type. Um, dynasty. I mean, I don't think it's fair to put the Lakers in that category yet. So um, I think they can be had. I think I think it's anybody's. You know, obviously not anybody's, but there's a wide you know plethora of teams that could you know find themselves in the finals this year. Um, I'm not saying the Suns are going to be one of them, but now this next move I've gone back and forth with because um, I think when they first made the move it was before the draft and correct me if I'm wrong but Gordon Hayward to the Hornets at uh, before the draft that was the most yawn eye roll like who gives a flying fuck signing you know to up the NBA offseason however like in my opinion, what they did in the draft, and I'm going to get into the draft later in the podcast, but what they did in the draft makes this signing so much better, in my opinion. Like I said, Gordon Hayward with that Hornets roster, yawn, who gives a shit, right? That seems just like a waste of $30 million. However, with adding LaMelo Ball, I absolutely... I absolutely love it um, because Gordon Hayward, he's a good teammate. He's a good, um, he has experience. He has playoff experience. He, um, you know, he, I just feel like with a guy as like young and flashy and, you know, 
probably what I'm going to assume emotionally up and down in his rookie year. And, you know, just not probably the most level-headed guy, but an immensely talented guy who is a hooper and is going to make that team better. Uh, I think Gordon Hayward is the perfect yang to his yin. Like, I just think that they're going to balance each other out so well. I think that because they're so different, like, personality-wise, and the fact that Hayward, you know, I think that this was, like, 10 years older than LaMelo, and um, just Melo, like, he's not going to be a vet that's, like, dragging LaMelo out to the strip club and shit. Like, I just, and, and I know I keep talking, like, off-the-court, like, personality balance, but I think on-the-court balance, too, I think that he can provide a dope catch-and-shoot option because we know LaMelo likes to drive and kick. I think having Hayward, you know, sitting out there as opposed to like Malik Monk or some of the other wings on that roster, I think is a massive upgrade as far as like a catch-and-shoot option for LaMelo to dish to. Uh, and then on top of that, whenever LaMelo, they can each play like without each other. Like whenever LaMelo needs to take a rest, like take a few minutes on the bench, um, Gordon Hayward can be a ball handler and get the offense into some sets and bring you know run in transition, be a ball handler, lead the break. Um, whenever Lamelo's off the, on on the bench um, and, or in foul trouble or whatever the case may be, maybe late in games, early in Lamelo's career, they may the coaching staff may feel more comfortable with Hayward, you know, in them late, you know, clutch crunch time situations. So I like I said, it, like in a vacuum, Gordon Hayward to the Hornets, yawn. Who gives a fuck? But I think that coupled with the LaMelo ball pick, I really, really like it. Also, financially, I like it, too, because everybody said Hayward, and I thought so, too, had one of the most untradeable, unsignable contracts. Getting a guy like Hayward, injury history, you know, numbers down last year, um, all, the, all that type of stuff is kind of dobbered down on Hayward. He was coming in at over 30 mil a year. But... If your franchise players on a rookie contract, aka Lamelo, then it, it makes perfect sense. You have all the cap space in the world because by the time Hayward's contract's up, it'll be time to give Lamelo that extension. The money's coming off the books. It uh, it works on all fronts. Like I said, I never thought I'd be a fan of that signing. I never thought I'd be a fan of much of what you know the Hornets organization did. But but fucking, I mean, maybe maybe it blows up. Maybe it doesn't work. But on paper here, the second day of the NBA season, I'm loving. I'm loving the direction they're heading in. I'm not gonna lie. Um, and then speaking of the Hornets, um, and the Hornets known for signing bullshit contracts, which what I'm sure a lot of people thought that the Gordon Hayward contract was at first when they first saw it on the ESPN ticker. Um, was the Nicholas Batum contract? They gave Nicholas Batum a couple of years back, like um, $120 million or some big contract. And like last year, he was riding the bench. They weren't even using him. It was a nightmare of a contract. I think they ended up waving him, like just cutting him essentially. And, um, but so Batum made his way over to the Clippers and is obviously going to have a much smaller role there. Um, and I think in that small role, I think that he's going to be really good, especially in the playoffs. Like I could see him like back whenever the Spurs were on their run in the mid early 2000s and they had guys like Boris Diaw and these guys off the bench that could come in and pass it and be a veteran presence and make other guys around them better. I think Batum is right in that mold. Like I said, it wouldn't shock me if he had shitty um, like fantasy numbers in the regular season, but I could easily envision a scenario where it's some clutch, close 
playoff game, maybe a second round or something, and Batum comes up big for them. He's a he's a very smart player, veteran player. So he should be rested. He didn't play a lot last year. So, I mean, it seems like a nightmare for, on the books, but I don't know exactly the numbers of his contract. But, um, but yeah, Clippers adding Batum in, a, in the right role, not wanting him to score 20 a night or anything crazy like that. Like, I'm pretty sure he's going to be coming off the bench. I actually really, really like that. And I think that's going to come up big for them in the playoffs because they came up small in the playoffs last year. Which also brings me to the next guy, former Oklahoma City Thunder, um, you know, beloved in Oklahoma City, um, but formerly of the Toronto Raptors, uh, Serge Ibaka came over to the Clippers. I'll be real, I, that one slipped through my, my Twitter time. I didn't even know he was on the uh, Clippers until last night. I was watching the game opening night, um, Clippers-Lakers, and like I was like, is that Ibaka in a Clippers jersey? I absolutely love the signing, uh, especially because the Lakers... The Lakers, you know, took Montrezl Harrell, not took as a free agent, but, you know, the, the Clippers lost Montrezl Harrell to the rival of the Lakers, and the, and the rival Lakers have Anthony Davis, the best big in the league. Uh, so you can't be, you know, the Clippers are trying to take out the Lakers, and you can't try to take out the Lakers without bigs. And, and you know, I'm not saying Ibaka is Anthony Davis, but I think that it was a nice, like, tit-for-tat move to counter the size of the Lakers. And I think that that move was made purely with the Lakers in mind. Like, I don't think that that, that you know, that they made that signing to beat the Hawks on a Wednesday night. Like, I think that, that they, they signed Ibaka purely to compete with the length and athleticism of, of Davis and the size, and the size of that the Lakers bring. I think I think that's the only way to interpret that because the rest of the league essentially besides the Clippers and Lakers are going smaller and and the Clippers and Lakers are are signing them towers them big boys which is cool. I um sports are cyclical like that. Like like the spread offense was all in vogue and then all the linebackers became 215 pounds. And then and then Bama comes along with two hundred and forty pound running backs and tight ends and, and pound it down your throat. Like sports are cyclical. Like everybody's saying like the NBA's going small, NBA's going small, and like the ridiculous PJ Tucker stuff. And it is, obviously that happened, but I think it's gonna come back full circle. I think whenever all these teams are trotting out six, seven centers, I think it's just a matter of time. Like it comes full circle and there's some seven footer that's dunking on everybody. Then it'll get big again, and then, you know, when it shocked me, my grandkids was playing small ball again. But I think it's going to be cyclical. Like, I think I think everything happens in cycles. I think that the small ball, I'm not going to say that it's not here to stay, but I think the big man will come back. I think the big man, like, maybe not back to the basket, big man. Like, maybe it'll be some kind of hybrid, like, maybe some kind, like, like guys like Anthony Davis, like, if Giannis would play more off the ball, like, I fucking wish he would, and we'll get into that, um, then, then, you know, guys like that, I think, could, could lead the charge, so I think it'll look different, but I do think the big men are coming back, and, and I think that the Lakers and Clippers are going big, it, it, it's signs of that, and, and I, I'm looking forward to it, I'm looking forward to it, I, um, you know, I, small ball can be fun, but just everybody shooting threes, and, you know, having... You know, everybody on the court six six. I, you know, it. I, I missed a little bit of the of the traditional, you know, positions in basketball. And we'll see guys like Nicholas Nikola Jokic. 
and things like that. You know, the big man's not dead. I'll put it that way. Big man's not dead. Um, so I know they didn't necessarily sign this offseason. However, KD and Kyrie, it's their first year really playing together. And, um, and, and so it's hard to like, you can't even tell the picture of this upcoming season or this off season without just acknowledging the fact that while the paper, that, you know, the ink didn't hit the paper this off season for all intents and purposes, um, you know, it's it, there that you might as well lump them in with those new signings. The Nets are a completely different team this year. Um, I know a lot of NBA fans saw them completely shit on the Warriors. Um, you know, the Warriors are, were without Draymond Green. I don't know how much you would have helped that last night. Um, but the Nets look insanely deep. Like, that's what's crazy. So they add KD and Kyrie, like, in a lot of situations, like what the Clippers had to do to get Paul George and what the Lakers had to do to get Anthony Davis. Usually you have to ship out all in-house talent to bring in a guy of that magnitude. But they still are so deep while adding a guy the level of KD and having Kyrie Irving. Like, it's crazy. Like, they're, they're usually teams with a guy like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are, are what we call top-heavy, where, like, the stars are really good, but maybe the back end of the bench is lacking to afford the salary of, of the big superstars. But, man, they have, like, their cake and eat it, too. They have Kevin Durant, you know, top two player in the world, and some say he ain't, too. Uh, and then, you know, Kyrie Irving, best handles in the NBA, you know, top three, top five point guard, wherever you want to rank him. He's elite, elite. And so you have two elite players. And then you have guys like Karis LeVert, Jared Allen coming off the bench who would start on a lot of teams and make a lot of teams better if they did start for him. So that's, man, the Nets are, man, they may end up being the class of the league, you know, this year. I know everybody probably like, oh, what about the Lakers? What about the Lakers? I like the Nets roster better than the Lakers roster. Um, yeah, I mean, I do. I mean, do I think that KD is better than LeBron right now? No, but like, well, in, you know, five, six months from now, could he be? Maybe. I mean, I'm, I don't know. Let's, let's find out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and then, no, I, I, do, I do like Anthony Davis over Kyrie Irving, but... Because one's a point guard and one's a big, like it's kind of irrelevant. It's not like they're going to be guarding each other that that often. I know teams switch and things, but um, yeah, I think I think that Kyrie is a nightmare matchup for any of the Lakers guards, and I think that you know Kevin Durant kind of matches the firepower as far as the Fords go, and they got like Karis Levert. Yeah, they have been at bigs for days in, in Brooklyn too. They got DeAndre Jordan. They got Jared Allen to match the size. I. I like Brooklyn's roster. I really do. So, like I said, I know they weren't signed this offseason, but you can't tell the story of this upcoming season without talking about KD and Kyrie and the Nets because they are fucking coming, you know, health withstanding. And um, the Warriors tried to, um, so, you know, sucks. I'm not even a Warriors fan, but I'm a big Clay Thompson fan. And when he went down after battling back from the injury, he battled back from the knee injury and then bust his Achilles. And, oh, man, it was just take the wind out of the cells of the whole Bay Area. And it was just it was a bummer, man. Clay's a good guy. You know, even if you're not a Warriors fan, nobody wants to see that happen. 
you know, Clay is one of the most unique players in the whole NBA and presents a really elite skill set um, at the two-guard position that hardly anybody can match. If anybody, pretty much nobody can match it. Um, there's a big question marks of whether he can, if we'll ever see that guy again after the knee and now the Achilles. You know, we can only hope for the best. But kind of in a scramble to kind of salvage because the Warriors already had a wasted year last year. They ended up with the number two overall pick. The entire team got hurt. Um, so the Warriors really, really, really weren't in the position to just like punt on the season because Clay got hurt. They really needed to try to, you know, find a plan B. And that plan B was Kelly Oubre and uh, Kelly Oubre Jr. And I think, I mean, he's a really talented player. I think He's a little bit of an up and down player, but his ceiling is high. Like I'm not saying it's Clay Thompson high, but he can be a really special player. He had, he can shoot the lights out and jump out of the gym. Um, you know, I'll be really interested. You know, I haven't watched a ton of him play because he played for the Phoenix um, Suns and the Washington Wizards on absolutely terrible teams the past couple of years. So it's not like I was watching a ton of him. It's kind of funny. I always loved using him on 2K. Like, seriously, I always loved using Kelly Oubre on 2K. And because uh, his skill set is, is really, really good. He, has, he can do things really well. I'm going to be interested to see his handling and his passing. And fitting in with that Warriors ball movement and just what his role ends up being. I think he used to play more of a three and now he's playing more of a two. I, I'm going to be really interested to see, like, is, is he going to step up and be the second leading scorer for the Warriors behind Steph? Um, is that going to be Andrew Wiggins? Do him and Wiggins, like, play good on the floor together? I, I don't I love the signing and I love the signing. From just like a not quitting standpoint, like from a front office standpoint of the Warriors, you know, Lacob and those guys, uh, you know, they 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 want to put a winner on the court. And I think every fan base, you know, re can respect that and not having a cheap ass, you know, front office and ownership group and, and, and you know, trying to trying to win. Um, and, and that's because the Warriors are so far in the luxury tax that I think they have to pay four times Uber's salary in taxes just to sign him. So that shows how much that they like wanted to like put a winner on the floor. And I, I respect it. I really do. Because a lot of owners, a lot of GMs would have just like punted and like tried to work for the rebuild or whatever. And maybe that'll prove to be the wrong decision. Maybe history will show that they should have just, you know, seen 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 Rome falling and kind of get while the getting is good and start the rebuild early. But I don't know. From sitting where I'm sitting right now today, I, I like the effort. I like the, you know, the winning mentality. Um, Next, um, Bogdanovich from the Kings. I, there's a guy that, for the Pacers that has a really simil similar name, and especially with me butchering it, it may sound identical, but I'm talking about the, the tall white wing from the Kings. And... um. Colinari, the tall white wing from the Thunder, both are going to the Atlanta Hawks. And, man, I absolutely love both of those moves. I actually got the pleasure of watching Bogdanovich play in person last year. Um, actually, ironically, against the Thunder, me and my wife, we went up to Sacramento and watched the Kings Thunder game, um, was, you know, before the pandemic and all that, back when the world was normal and in the before time. And, uh and we, so Bogdanovich can play. He can shoot the lights out. He be, moves really good without the ball. He um, 
He can he can you know run on the fast break and he usually find you know tries to run for the corner. He can hit. He's really it seems like a three point specialist, but he can do a little other things too. He can be a little creative off the dribble and he's he's, he's a good player. I think some people worry about his defense. Um, you know Hawks ain't really too worried about defense, so it seems like it'll be a good fit. Um, him and Gallinari are a little bit redundant. Like um, like Bogdanovich seems like a younger, healthier Gallinari to myself and a lot of other NBA fans. I I don't see Bogdanovich. You know, um, yeah, that seems a little redundant. But maybe if one starts and one comes off the bench, maybe that redundancy is actually a good thing because it'll be like a, a seamless, you know, transition. And that. I have a hard time seeing them both being on the floor at the same time. But, you know, I feel like that would be a nightmare defensively, especially with Trey Young out there, too. Um, but I'm a big Trey Young fan. Uh, Trey Young's from my hometown, Norman, Oklahoma. And he played for the OU Sooners. I'm a big OU Sooner fan. So I'm not a Hawks fan at all, but I am um, a big Trey Young fan. And I'm super happy to see him get some just, I mean, I'm not saying the world beaters. It's not Kevin Durant, but Bogdanovich and Gallinari are like legitimate pro shooters and scorers that will help because Trey loves to pass he's a great passer even though everybody thinks he just wants to shoot threes he's a fantastic passer and um I think that he's there he's gonna find them for a lot of open threes on the driving kick um I think he's, he's gonna find them for a lot of open threes in transition I think that uh I think they have some more firepower um it does call into question maybe the development of Cam Reddish um I think a lot of people were expecting Cam Reddish out of Duke, uh, Zion's former teammate. Um, you know, he's one of the top high school players in the nation that year. He has a lot of hype around him. Um, I think a lot of people were expecting him to be the 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 Robin to Trey Young's Batman, and and I I don't know if he. I mean, it's only like a second, maybe third year in the league. I mean, he's young, um, so I feel it like um, maybe he's not ready yet. Maybe the. The Hawks organization didn't want to, like, wait on him, but they brought in two other wings that pretty much play the same position. I mean, those guys can also play the four, so I think Reddish can play a little too, so maybe there's a scenario where they all play together, but uh, it's a little interesting. Kind of calls into the question the um, development of Cam Reddish, but uh, maybe they're just wanting to speed up the process a little bit. Maybe Reddish can learn from the vets. I hope I hope so. That's, you know, best-case scenario. Um, man, this next one. I, I'm very conflicted about um, Stephen Adams going to the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, Stephen Adams, one of my all-time favorite basketball players. Um, I collect basketball cards, and I have like a whole Stephen Adams collection. Um, like I, he has a big mural of him like standing like this in Oklahoma City. I have my picture in front of that mural back like when I was in Oklahoma. Like that was like my profile picture on Facebook, standing in front of that mural. Um, he's super loved by the Oklahoma City fans, by the Oklahoma City community. Just a great guy. Um, he, you know, I, I think he's turned out to be better than anybody expected him to be. I remember back in the draft that the Thunder um, took Stephen Adams. I was in a room with a bunch of my friends, and everybody was like, "Oh, who's this guy, Stephen Adams, out of Pittsburgh? We didn't really need a center." Like. Uh, but I think I think he's exceeded what a lot of people and a lot of you know draft experts thought he could be. Um, he's had a good career. I I gotta say though, these this past year and just like the direction with the Thunder moving with these young guys and running the floor more, and I just it was hard to see Stephen Adams. Um, he became a little bit useless. Um, 
just like in the playoffs, like as far as being functional, like, and like, all right, if you're going to be big, because he's an enormously huge, enormously strong guy, but it's like, if you're going to be that big and you have like a six, seven guy guarding you and you can't take advantage of the mismatch, then it's like, what like use do I have for you? Um, and I know he can rebound and I know he can block shots and I know he's strong. He's a fantastic teammate, but just... On the floor, it was just a round peg in a square hole situation. It just, um, it wasn't, it wasn't meshing um, with the new guys like Shy Gilgis and, and you know, Diallo and just like the direction that the team's going with these young guys who can run and jump. It just, um, Steven Adams, I feel like is more of a half court player. Um, I, I I hope it works out with him in New Orleans. I'm rooting for New Orleans in general. I love that roster. They got Adams. Brandon Ingram turned out to be an absolute stud. They looking like they came out of that trade with a win-win. They got him for Anthony Davis. Um, they got Zion. Um, Lonzo Ball is he's kind of rejuvenating his career. I mean, I I love what the New Orleans Pelicans roster has going on. And yeah, I'm rooting for Steven Adams. I'm rooting for the uh, Pelicans. I hope it can be a better fit. I hope I, I hope he can just mesh better with what they're trying to do down there than the direction that the Oklahoma City Thunder are going. But yeah, I said super, like my heart was broken whenever, you know, Steven Adams got traded or left the Thunder. But at the same time, my, my, like, basketball mind, my, like, GM hat was like, oh, yeah, they got out from under that contract. You know, he wasn't really meshing with the direction the Thunder are going in. You know, I, um, I, I you know, so I, I was conflicted. Like, my heart was, I was torn. I know I'm a big Steven Adams fan. I'm a fan of the man, of the guy. But from, like, a basketball fit with the Thunder and that, that contract, I was like, yo, I'm kind of, you know, not too bummed to see it go. Um. We already touched on this a little bit. Mark Gasol and Montrezl Harrell to the Lakers. I think um, the Harrell signing is going to be a lot more in, important um, than, than the Gasol signing. I don't know how much Gasol has left in the tank. He may have a little shiny moment in the playoffs, maybe, you know, against Utah, against Gobert, something I can see him bringing uh, Mark Gasol in um, or, you know, whoever ends up coming out of the East. But, uh yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know how much Gasol has left in the tank. He might be doing a little Carl Malone ring chasing right now at the end of his career. But, I, I mean, I ain't mad at it. It was a good signing. But, um, you know, brings that veteran presence. It'll help the young bigs. But the Montrezl Harrell signing was huge. I feel like more like addition by subtraction, meaning like they weakened their arrival Clippers. I, I don't know how much they needed Montrezl Harrell. I mean, he's a six-man of the year last year. He can obviously come off the bench. He obviously makes their bench better. Um, they already have good bigs. Um, he's versatile. I mean, he, I, I like Montrezl Harrell, the player. I just don't know, like, why the Lakers were... I think the Lakers were more interested in him to, to take him off of the Clippers than they were um, to really to really have him on their team, if that makes sense. Football teams do this all the time. Um, if you can get a guy, whether it be through free agency or trade, um, from a division rival, you weaken them and make yourself stronger. Um so I, I think it, there was more of that mentality going on. I don't know, like, how how exactly stoked they were to, um, you know, sign um, to sign Montrezl Harrell. I think it was it had a lot to do with weakening the Clippers, which, you know, the Clippers replaced him with a Baca. So we'll, that, that's going to be very, you know, interesting to see kind of where it all shakes out. Um, 
And then last but not least at all, and I'm not just saying that to be cliche, like this is a way more important signing than anybody is giving it credit for. The Drew Holiday to the Bucks signing, I cannot love it more. Because here's the thing about Giannis. I think Giannis is a power forward. He's not like Ben Simmons. He's not LeBron. He's not one of these point forwards like hell ball handling wise. I don't even think he might not even been passing wise. He may not even be Draymond. Um, but I think he is one of the best power forwards like off the ball. It could be like if in my dream scenario of how he's most effectively utilized, um, I think he could be a way, way, way better, like, like imagine Blake Griffin in his prime off the ball catching lobs from Chris Paul, like, but just way better. I think, I think like a way better version of that because when you may say, oh, Blake Griffin, he's pretty limited. Yeah. Newsflash. Giannis is pretty limited too. Um, I mean, you can keep waiting on that jump shot if you want. You know, you can th you wait in the same line as Ben Simmons. I mean, I don't think it'll ever be elite. Like, I don't think he's ever shooting 40% from three. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't see it. The, the mechanics, the hand size, it, it's, a, it's a shit show when that man tries to pull up off the dribble, especially. Um, and then, you know, he, he, he never really worked on that, like, mid-range fadeaway dirt kind of like. Like, he, he, he skill set is limited, talent off the fucking charts, which that that doesn't have to be a bad thing. Because like I said, I think the Drew Holiday signing, because uh, Drew is a point guard, and not only is he the best, essentially best, one of the best defensive point guards in the league, but uh, I think it's going to allow Giannis to finally, finally um, play off the ball more, because he's not a point forward. He's just not. I mean, I know in the fast breaks he looks like it, but in the half court, that fool cannot play point guard. And he doesn't have to be. He's seven foot tall. Like, not everybody has to be a primary ball handler. Like, I do not want to see that fool playing point guard. I think the Drew Holiday signing just allows him, I think, to just take more advantage of his physical gifts and mismatches against other teams' bigs and wings. I think that off the ball, there's not really anybody that can hang with him. But when you take into account his handling and his lack of jump shot on the ball, I think he's much easier to defend than than if he's just running around like a wild man, slashing, you know, um, coming off of off-ball screens, you know, catching lobs. I think he'd be way more effective. And I think Drew Holiday has the mind and the skills physically to just get him in his spots. And I, I really am hoping it looks as good in person as it does as how I think as it does on paper, like in my mind's eye. Because I just envision it being really gorgeous to watch. And I think it just puts him in a better position to succeed. Because like, I want to see Giannis succeed. Like I'm not a Giannis hater. I am a Giannis fan. But while I'm not a Giannis fan of him playing point guard and trying to shoot threes off the dribble and, and, and just play. He's not a guard. He's not. Um, I want to see him off the ball. I want to see him playing a forward position. And I want to see him dominating physically in ways that I know he can and pretty much only he can. Um, but, so I, um, that was the off-season acquisitions. I'm going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to come back and talk draft and this Thunder rebuild, how the Thunder have 97 million draft picks. So, yeah, just going to take a quick little intermission. I'll be back in, like, five minutes. Um, yeah, and we're going to talk um, NBA draft, this incoming draft class. 
and we're going to talk this Thunder Rebuild. Appreciate everybody that took a second to watch. All right, I'm back, y'all. It's um, episode 29 of Dreadful Talk, and we're talking NBA. The NBA season is back, and it started back up last night, and it was it made me so happy to be, you know, be watching basketball again. And I feel like this camera's a little crooked. I'm going to straighten it out. Maybe it was just my head that was crooked. But all right, so it's episode 29 of Dreadful Talk. In part one, we talked about all the notable NBA acquisitions. We're talking NBA basketball, the upcoming 2021 season. We had a short offseason between the bubble season and all that craziness. But now we're back to semi-normalness. We're out of the bubble. Still no fans. Um, shortened 72-game season. But yeah, part one, we talked about all the acquisitions, all the trades, free agents, things like that. And now I want to get into just some of the main impact rookies that I think are going to make a big difference or just guys who I'm rooting for, things like that. Because, you know, there's two parts of the offseason, really three. There's trades, free agents, and then the draft. Um, so, yeah, um, we're going to hop into the draft because, you know, every once in a while a rookie comes in and, and it impacts things, you know. And um, not typically, usually it's a second, third year when even the good rookies, you know, it. The, as a rookie, it's really rare to just really make a super huge impact as far as win total. I mean, guys can put up some numbers and look good, um, but as far as really impacting that win-loss column, not many rookies typically come in and do that off the rip. Uh, but, you know, you never know. Maybe some of these guys will. So, the first overall pick in this year's draft um, was Anthony Edwards, and um, he's a shooting guard out of Georgia. He went to the Timberwolves. To essentially set up a quote-unquote big three of D'Angelo Russell, um, Anthony Edwards, and Carl Anthony Towns. Um, really, we're going to have to wait and see. He looked good in the preseason. He looked really good. His outside shot, I think, looked, all everybody talked about leading up to the draft is how he couldn't shoot that many threes. And then in the preseason, he came in and lit it up from threes. I mean, I know that's just preseason. We'll see if it translates. Um, he's a, you know, a great athlete, big body. Um, I think it's good. I mean, I'm not, I don't know about pairing him with D'Angelo Russell. I'm not the biggest D'Angelo Russell guy. D'Angelo Russell can obviously score. He can run some point. Um, obviously he's very frail and slender and known to be a defensive liability. And I think Edwards is known for his defense and he has a thick body. So maybe that works those two together. Maybe you can kind of offset some of Russell's, you know, defensive, you know, just lack or lack thereof. Um, and then, you know, Carl Anthony Towns' mentality has been called into question, you know, by everybody remembers the Jimmy Butler shit and um, just, you know, he has a lot of talent, but it hasn't resulted in really a lot of that team getting any better. Um, maybe he likes to hang out at the perimeter too much. I don't know. It's It seems like there's a three nice pieces, but are those three pieces that I want to see together or that like I would want to build a team around? No. The answer would be no for me. Um, maybe, like I said, maybe history, maybe time will prove me wrong. Um, I don't see that, you know, working out too well. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe, I don't know. Like, I would love, I mean, maybe if Anthony Edwards is a true dog and he, like, comes in there and fucking lights a fire under Carl Anthony Towns. Like, a motivated Carl Anthony Towns 
Like, man, four four years ago, I was on this man's job. Like, I thought Carl Anthony Towns was going to change the league. Like, I um, I would, like, always use him on 2K when I, uh, and shit like that. Like, I, uh, but just, I don't know, man. I'm starting to not just see it from him. He just, I don't know how much he wants it, how much of a dog he is, how much of a winner he is. I don't know. Maybe... Maybe Edwards, maybe the new injection of youth and energy and talent, maybe, maybe that brings it out of him. I don't know. Maybe that guy's just cashing checks, though, kind of what it seems like to me. Who knows, though? So we got Anthony Edwards first overall to the T-Wolves. Don't see them making the playoffs. I got to say, though, I mean, at least they didn't, like, the T-Wolves didn't completely fuck this draft, hopefully, and, and do another Johnny Flynn over Steph Curry type situation. I mean, I don't know the way LaMelo's looking, though. The way LaMelo's looking, though, Nay, Maybe they did. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what, it, what Anthony Edwards can bring moving forward. Um, number two, the Warriors take James Wiseman. And so, like, I live here in the Bay Area. I listen to Bay Area Sports Radio. Shout out 95.7 The Game. And, um, and man, they've been talking about Wiseman for like a, almost the whole calendar year. Almost everybody knew the Warriors were going to take him. Um, it seemed like the natural fit, you know, with Steph still under contract for, I think, like four more years. They weren't going to take LaMelo. Um, man, with, with, with Clay going down, I mean, I, granted, Anthony Edwards was taken before their pick. But, I mean, I don't know. If, if Anthony Edwards ends up being a baller, maybe with Clay going down, they should have traded up. I don't know. I think I think most people are, were super happy with, with them getting um, Wiseman. Just roster-wise, they needed a five. Their fives going into the season were like Kevon Looney, who's 6'9", I think, and, uh, you know, kind of mediocre. And then uh, Marquise Chris, who... Looked good in spots, but I don't think anybody is a guy that wants Marquise starting like 30 minutes a game for them. Like, I think Marquise Chris is a good player and it's kind of rejuvenated his career, but I, don't, I still don't think he's like a, a number one, like starting caliber center on a, what hopes to be a playoff team. And so, so I mean, I think Wiseman was the obvious pick. Um, reports out of camp are really good. Um, I mean, he, he, he showed some things last night. Gotta say, Bigger than I like pictured him in my mind's eye. Like when he's on the court with other NBA players, especially in this new NBA, uh, it's kind of moved away from the big man. I mean, he is tall as fuck. And it's not just tall though. It's not like just KD tall. It's a little more of like Giannis tall. Like them shoulders are pretty fucking wide. I mean, the wingspan's insane. Just physically, he jumps off your screen. Um, I I'm hoping. I'm hoping I'm hoping he works out dope. Like I said, where he's almost fighting two different things. It's like when a center's drafted, it's not just like, oh, how will he develop as a center? It's like, where do centers fit in in the lexicon of the league? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's hard to predict a center. Now, I, I know earlier in the podcast I said it goes in cycles, and that's my personal belief, but I could be wrong. What if centers really are like getting phased out and like it doesn't matter how good Wiseman ends up being. There's just limited how effective he can be, uh, you know, just in the new NBA, you know, maybe lack of big men. You know, it's just it's that that's like the whole extra variable with the modern big man that like I don't think anybody can, can predict because like that doesn't really matter how hard he works now. I, I guess the. You can say talent's going to get on the floor, like, regardless of trends. And I feel that. Hopefully that, you know, holds true. But maybe, you know, maybe just 
he does everything right and just centers go by the wayside. Now, I don't think that'll happen, but you know, it's a, it's a extra variable with these new young big men that, that makes it almost impossible to predict. Now, I got to say just like the last big man taken really high was, um, I think, like DeAndre Ayton, or maybe not the last, but the last like one that people really expected things from, uh, I think, at this level was DeAndre Ayton. And, um, I mean, he's okay. He's pretty damn good. I think a lot of people are expecting, you know, Chris Paul and this elevated talent around him to, you know, I think, I think people are expecting a big year from Aiden, but I got to say, just like eye test watching, I think Wiseman has a higher ceiling, higher upside than, than Aiden. But like, there's, like I said, there's that, there's that unknown factor. Um, big guy, impressive athlete. You know, I, it seems like it'll work, you know, but it's just, it's a lot to ask of a guy that, yeah, I mean, the Warriors are essentially asking him to either start or play starters minutes and, like, I mean, that's a lot to ask of a rookie. He's 19 years old. We'll see. We'll see. I am. Um, that's the thing about the NBA draft. It's a, it's a whole lot of we'll see. Um, now, this next guy, Lamelo Ball, controversial, polarizing, and a damn good basketball player. Um, played overseas in Australia instead of going to college. Um, he's also had experience in Lithuania. So he's been playing against grown men for a while now. Um, he's grown to 6'8". He's fucking way taller than I think almost anybody thought he was going to be. Um, well, HGH never hurt anybody. Cough, cough. Um, but, you know, he's 6'8". He's a, he's a point guard, like a real point guard, not like one of these, you know, like, oh, let's make Giannis play point guard. Like He's a, he's a point guard. Um, I think everybody was just afraid. To put their like reputation on the line for this guy, um, and he just—I mean, I know it's only preseason, but I mean, all in the preseason, he looked like he should have been the number one pick. I mean, he looks amazing. Um, I know everybody wanted to hate on that ugly ball family style jump shot. It's going in. So maybe it'll change in the regular season. Maybe it'll change against better competition. But it's going in. The ball's going in the hoop, y'all. These passes are just insane that we're seeing. He's got he's got like a viral highlight like every day of the since he's been drafted. Um, that passing ability can't be taught. It's God given. You know, you're either born with it or you're not. Um, he has that. Um, like I said, the size, the swagger. Um, and I think it's good though that he's going to a city with kind of low expectations, like the Charlotte Hornets. You know they've been bad for a long time. They've whiffed on a lot of draft picks. Like uh, I think the bar set a little lower. Like I mean, like if he would have ended up getting drafted by Golden State, I mean that pressure level would have been so much higher because of Stephen Clay and the good guard play that Golden State's you know been known for in recent history. But going, I feel like going to a team like the Hornets, it gives him a little more leeway. It pretty much gives him the key to the franchise that like wouldn't have happened if he, because even if he got drafted to Minnesota, you know, Cat would probably still be the head dog as much as he can be a head dog, like a head poodle. But uh, I think it might be the perfect situation, and I might be. I, I think it's the first draft that the Hornets didn't absolutely fuck up. It's in, in recent memory. Um, or definitely since they've been the Hornets again. Uh, or no, I guess they drafted Kemba, right? Yeah, probably their best draft pick since Kemba. I mean, uh, and, and so, yeah, I mean, he fell to him at three. They took him. 
I think he's going to change lives from Charlotte in the East. Like, now, if Charlotte was in the West, like, I mean, I would, I'd be kind of holding my horses. And, yeah, you know, maybe he's a deer and fox type of career. But in the East, like, why not? Like, why do I get excited? Like, why not, you know, like, see what, like, the possibilities in the East. Like, I mean, who, with, with the exception of Brooklyn and, and, and Philly and, and, and Miami and Boston. So those are, like, the established top four. But besides that, I mean, the Hornets, I mean, could the Hornets be better than the Hawks this year? They sure could. The Hornets be better than the Knicks? Essentially, they're guaranteed to be. The Hornets better than the Magic? Yeah, most likely. Magic made the playoffs last year, for those that, that don't that don't remember. Um, better than the Washington Wizards? Maybe. I mean, they got Russ, but that's about it. I mean, so the, the East, the... With the exception of the top four, like I don't think the Hornets will crack the top four. Obviously, I'm not gonna make that spicy of a take. But the Hornets, I mean, they got Gordon Hayward, it's Lamelo. I mean, keeps doing what he's doing. I don't know, I, but I, I've been I've been high on Lamelo. Um, I think he's gonna be better than Lonzo, <coughs> and I think people are saying like, oh, well, that's hard to do. Like, but no, look at what, Lonzo's playing good now. I mean, his rookie year at the Lakers it still wasn't as bad as people make it out to be either. I mean, he's a Lonzo can hoop, but yeah, I think I think Lamelo's the best one. Which Lavar said, Lamelo was the best one from the jump. Let's see here. Um, at eight, the Knicks took Obi Toppin. Um, there was a lot of talk here in the Bay Area if the Warriors were going to take Obi Toppin at two. So pure value, like draft value wise, I think that the Knicks actually did a really good job, and that's going to be one of the few times you'll ever hear me compliment the Knicks, but. As far as squeezing that number eight overall pick for all the juice that's worth the squeeze, I think they did a great job. Um, get landing Obi Toppin at eight. Now we'll see. He's another guy where he is a four. He is a power four. He is too small to play five and too slow to play three. Like he is a four. You know, it, most teams don't even really have a four. They kind of play two threes essentially nowadays. Or um so that's another one where kind of the Wiseman situation comes in where, like, he could be a good player and still just not really have a place for him in the league. Like, almost like a fullback. Like, what if you're, like, the best fullback in the nation, but nobody wants a fullback? Like, where do, what do you do with your – like, you know what I mean? So not saying that's going to happen. Um, you know, like I said, I'd like to think that talent, you know, overcomes that. But – you couple that with the fact that he's with the biggest dumpster fire of an organization in professional sports, the New York Knickerbockers. Like, it's like, I'm not high on it, but it has nothing to do with him. Like, it could be like, the situation you, you land in impacts your career so much that, and he landed in the worst possible spot. That like if Obi Toppin did like what if, I'm saying like if Obi Toppin did end up getting drafted by the Warriors maybe he has a whole different career like in five years if we're sitting here saying that Obi Toppin's a bust like my finger is gonna be pointing at the Knicks more than it's gonna be pointing at Obi Toppin but I mean maybe Toppin R.J. Barrett maybe they can you know maybe I mean maybe I mean I I don't think so that's not what I would put my money on but you know maybe they maybe they have a better year this year. Yeah, hard to have a worse one, right? Um, next, like I said, I go to Kings games from time to time. My wife um, spent some time up in the Sacramento area, and she's a Kings fan, and, and uh, it's a lot cheaper to go to the Warriors games. It's a two-hour drive from the Bay. So me and my wife go to some Kings games. I'm not a Kings fan, but I do like 
care more about the Kings than just like a random team. And I, uh, I do really, really, really like um, their pick at 12, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, he was like most people that had like a sleeper of this draft was Tyrese Halliburton. He's apparently really good defensively, has a really clean jump shot already. Um, they didn't need like a flashy ball handler. They just re-signed Fox. Um, I think I think Tyrese Halliburton was a great pick for the Kings at 12. Kings, another shitty organization though. Like, are they going to ruin his career? I mean, who knows how good he could be. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, though, I think he's going to be a good player. Um, I know there were some people in the, in, the, in the Bay Area media that wanted the Warriors to to basically trade down to draft Tyrese Halliburton, not draft Tyrese Halliburton at two because that just wouldn't make any sense. But there was talk here in the Bay Area, especially like, oh, well, do you want Wiseman? Like, who's even good in this draft? Like, maybe you should just trade down and take a guy like Tyrese Halliburton. Like, that was talked about, like, on Bay Area sports radio and stuff. So, I mean, for the fact that the Kings landed him at 12, um, is he going to be a good player? I mean, it's looking like, um, you know, good for the Kings. Didn't, didn't fuck that up. It's crazy how you suck as bad as the Kings that are picking at 12. That's like worst of both worlds. But um, Jesus. Um, and then the the Magic at 15 landing Cole Anthony, I think, is a great pick. May end up being a steal of the draft. I don't know. It's probably going to be hard to beat getting LaMelo at three. But as far as value, getting a guy like Cole Anthony, who most people think is going to be a good player, especially in a situation like the Magic. Now, I think Cole Anthony is a guy that if he would have got drafted by a contender, would have got buried at the end of the bench, and you know maybe his career doesn't amount to much. But I think he got drafted to a great situation in Orlando to where it's not like they have any world beaters playing guard down there in, in Orlando. So there's going to be playing time for him. Um, there's shots to be had. I mean, there's the opportunity's there for the taking. Like, like I said, I think I think he's a guy that actually benefited from getting drafted to a shitty organization. And the Magic aren't as shitty of an organization as as, as it seems. Like I know they've been bad a lot, but they've also made the playoffs a lot. They, they're usually making it as a seven or eight seed. And they usually get bounced quick, but they're not like they're not like Knicks like wasteland territory. The Magic they have a little bit of a culture there. They got some guys. They got some pieces. Um, they have some history, you know what I'm saying? It's not a complete wasteland. Um, I think I like that. I like Cole Anthony to the Magic. I really do. He's wearing um, number fifty and then crazy Magic uniforms. I don't know. I I there's something about that I like. I, uh, I I'm hoping good things for him. Um, it's not like I'm hoping good things for the Magic necessarily, but it's just like. I, I don't like watching teams suck forever, you know? Like, like I'm really stoked on the Bills having success this year. Like, I don't give a shit about the Bills. But just, you know, the Bills have sucked since since they, they lost the Super Bowl, since Thurman Thomas. You know what I'm saying? So, I, you know, I like I like seeing the those kind of random teams, which I know if you're from that city, it's not random. But newsflash, the rest of us look at those teams as random. Um, then, you know, I, I like to see him do good every now and again and not just constantly be in, in the lottery. Um, not going to spend too much time on second rounders. Um, the Warriors landed um, Nico Mannion out of Arizona um, at 48 overall. The Warriors, I say that because the Warriors have a history of nailing the second round. I mean, look at Draymond Green, second rounder. Um, Eric Pascal was, I think, all rookie team last year. He came in the second round. Um, He's 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 a pretty good player. I mean, not a life changer, but he's a good player. Um, Nico Manny. I mean, I don't. It's, it's, 
I would say I don't see a lot of playing time for him, but the Warriors aren't that deep at guard, especially with Clay going down. So I don't know. Maybe he finds his way onto the court a little bit this year. I don't think he played last night, but um, he's exciting to think about. Um, just like I said, I mean, for a second rounder, I like I like the pick, and the Warriors have a good you know track record of hitting on those second rounders. And then um, at 52 overall, the Kings um, selected Kenyon Martin Jr. Um, I mean, I know a lot of – I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Kenyon Martin, his dad was in the league. Uh, he was a teammate of Melo in, um, in, in Denver. Um, he played for a few other teams. That's what I mainly remember Kenyon Martin from those Denver days with him and Carmelo. I'd play with them on NBA Live, the original Xbox Generation 1. Uh, he had, the, like, the lips tattooed on his neck and shit. But, yeah, I mean – yeah, if Kenyon Martin Jr. can be as good as his pops, I mean, the Kings got themselves a steal at 52. Now, that's always really, really hard to compare guys to their fathers. And, and a lot, a lot of times, you know, it doesn't doesn't end up measuring up. But, hey, you never know. You never know. He could end up being Kenyon Martin. And the Kings got him at 52. I thought that was a good pick. Um, now, let's get into this Thunder rebuild because – like I said, I'm an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. I'm originally from the Oklahoma City area. And um, I am still trying to wrap my head around kind of what happened. Like, I, I, I know I know time, time is a motherfucker, but it seems like just the other day that, you know, we had James Harden and Kevin Durant, and we were playing the Heat, and, it, and like, it doesn't seem that long ago. I know it's been, like, what, 10 years now? Like, it's been... It's been a long time, but I'm just saying it doesn't seem like that long ago. Now we're in, like, completely uncharted territory. Um, I mean, the Thunder have been spoiled as, like, an organization as far as, like, I think since the organization's existed, there's only been, I think, two years that we haven't made the playoffs um, the first year. And I th was there another year? Have we been in the playoffs every year since? I don't think we missed the playoffs. Maybe I'm tripping. Um... But I'm saying that OKC fans have been have been very spoiled, and we haven't really had to undertake a rebuild because the first time around was just the build. It was a brand new team, expansion team, really. Um, so and we got gifted. We like Kevin Durant came from Seattle, and then Russell Westbrook was the first official Oklahoma City Thunder draft. Was we got Westbrook? Um, so I mean, just. Spoiled to say the least. So now, as Thunder fans, and I'm gonna say we, I'm talking to Thunder fans here. I'm sorry, you know, if you're not a Thunder fan, you know, it is what it is. I'm talking to Thunder Nation right here. A lot of my Oklahoma people, um, you know, we find ourselves in uncharted territory. You know, we're in a full blown fire sale rebuild. And, and, and man, let me tell you, rebuilds either go good or they go bad. And they go bad, I feel like, more often than they go good because we don't see a lot of epic turnarounds and worse to first. So I hope, you know, 10 years from now, we don't find ourselves in like a Sacramento Kings-ass small market kind of position to where you're just, you know, up shit's creek. Um, which, you know, I'm, I'm, guys, it's a possibility. Like, I'm not saying, like, that's going to happen or I want it to happen, but... To act like that's, you know, out of the question. Like, we got to be real with ourselves here. Now, we have assets falling out of our ass. No pun intended. Like, it, we have just so many picks and everything that it's, um, you know, the coverage not bare. The coverage not bare, but um, 
like a lot of these draft picks are guys that are, you know, like the class of 2024, I think you're like is in middle school right now. So it's like, it's going to be a long, it's a long haul. You know, it's def. I don't think this is going to be a fast turnaround. I think it's going to be, I don't know if we've seen something like what could happen here take place in basketball. Maybe, maybe the Clippers, but I don't know, man. It's going to be really interesting, um, but it's not all bad. I'm going to go over our assets. So I think as of now, the strategy seems to be built around Shy Gilgis Alexander. I think he's a legit bona fide star and he's at the point guard position. And the where the NBA is now, you have to have a good adult point guard. And I think he, we have one. Like he's a unique player. He's not the typical 2020 point guard. Like he can hit some threes, but he's got a unique game. He's got, he does a lot of like, these kind of awkward floaters. He has a good mid-range game. He can he can find other people. He's he's very long and athletic. He can run in transition. He's pretty tall. So he's a unique player. I think I, I think the strategy is to build around Shy Gilgis Alexander, and I think to a lesser extent um, Darius Basley. I think the Thunder. And Thunder fans think that they have something with um, Darius Basley. Like, he could end up being, like, a 20-point-a-game scorer one day. I mean, he's a natural scorer, um, a great athlete, long. So, I, I, for now, the strategy seems to be around Shai Gilgis-Alexander and Darius Basley. Um, also, with they traded, they got Ty Jerome in one of these many trades. Um, wing player. Um, he's a young player that, you know, people think could be something, you know, Um they also got Justin Jackson, young young player. I've been in the league a few years. I don't think anybody thinks he'll develop into an all star, but I think he could develop into a nice piece. Um, yeah, he had, there's something there with him. And then Hamadou Diallo is actually a Thunder product. He um they, they drafted him a few years ago. He won the dunk contest. I know many of you might remember it. Um, he's an athletic, you know, like two guard. Who you know, there's definitely talent there. Um. And then here's the long list of picks that the Thunder have moving forward. They have next year in 2021, they have their own pick. They have Golden State's pick, but it's top 20 protected. But if the Warriors suck, they get another pick. Um, top 20 protected means if that pick ends up falling in the top 20, then the Thunder get like a second round pick instead. So really only between 21 and 30, if that pick falls in there, the Thunder get it. Um, they also have, um, so between Miami and Houston and Oklahoma City, who whatever the top two picks out of all those mix are, the Thunder get them. And then they also get a second rounder from Denver. So next year, they're going to have potentially three picks, but guaranteed two picks in the, in the first round. And, and, um, and then in 2022, we get the Clippers first rounder and the Phoenix first rounder. Which, you know, I don't know how high those are going to be. I mean, those might be pretty low picks. I mean, maybe not Phoenix. We'll see how the Chris Paul thing works out. Um, in 2023, we get our own pick. We get Denver's first round pick. We get a pick swap with the Clippers. And we get Miami's first round pick. And they have three second round picks. So... There's, there's 20, 23, there's picks, there's so many picks that I got to imagine over the next couple of years, they'll package those in a trade. That's what you got to remember, folks. All these picks aren't going to be players. And in an ideal scenario, especially in a small market like Oklahoma City, 
you package these picks for a star because you're not getting a free agent. It's just not going to happen. Milwaukee doesn't get free agents, you know. Um, cities like Memphis doesn't get free agents. Like Oklahoma City is in that type of category as far as market goes, and you're not going to get the big free agents. So in a perfect world, you package all these up, and you trade for a young a, a young star. You trade for a young star. Um, now, typically in the modern NBA, I would love to see that be like a wing, you know? Because um, I feel like you got the point guard of the future with Shea. And I would love to see a young, talented wing. Like, I know they just locked him up and extended him. But, man, like a Brandon Ingram, like somebody like that, like I... I, I I know it probably won't be Brandon Ingram, but just in my mind's eye, like if I was playing GM, I would love to see a guy like that paired with Shea moving forward. Maybe they could get like Jalen Brown from Boston in a trade one of these days, but that's what I'm saying. You got to package these assets to get some real talent in because it ain't going to choose to come to Oklahoma City. Um, and then in 20, 2024, they have Houston's first rounder and the Clippers' first rounder. Which, the, the Houston picks excite me more than anything. Because I think Phoenix is getting better. And the Clippers, we know they're, they're, they're going to be pretty good the next couple of years with Kawhi. But I think Houston has potential to be a full-blown dumpster fire disaster, like a high lottery pick. So, I think they should trade every pick besides the Houston picks. I think they should hold on to the Houston picks. Uh, I think by 2024 and by even 2020, maybe even by next year... Houston's going to have a high draft picks. I have a feeling. I just that culture, that all the bullshit that's going on down there, just not sustainable, not a recipe for success. I could I think that the Thunder personally, if it was up to me, I think that the Thunder should try to hold on to the Houston picks and maybe try to package the rest to get like a nice young wing like a Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram, like somebody in that mold. Somebody in that mold. Um man, I um they, they signed some interesting vets for the year. Guys who I honestly wish they would have signed when they were actually playoff contenders. Like Al Horford. Especially when I've been so frustrated with Steven Adams' lack of offense. Like having Al Horford on last year's playoff team would have been a lot better than having him in a rebuild year. Um, Trevor Ariza, I believe, is still on the roster. Um, you know, veteran wing. Hopefully he can, you know, coach up the young guys. I have a feeling he may just be... Cash and checks at this point. He's been traded like four times in the past like two years. You know, I don't know. I don't think we should expect much out of Ariz. I think he's pretty much at the end of the hill. And then speaking of Hill, George Hill. Once again, I would have loved to have George Hill. Like as Russell Westbrook's backup that year it was just Russ. Like shit like that. Like I, I I don't know, like it's hard to get excited about him now on this year's team. I guess he's gonna back up Shea. Maybe he could actually that's a good ass like mentor for Shy Gilders Alexander. I think he, he can learn some things, but like I said Al Horford and, and George Hill a couple of years ago, and hell even Trevor Ariza a couple of years ago, man, I would have fucking loved to have those three names. Now it's like eh, but um, yeah. So NBA is back. I'm excited. I hope y'all are excited. Um, yeah, you know that's gonna be episode 29 of Dreadful Talk. Do hit me up on these orange long sleeves. They're so comfortable. I got plenty of them left. There's not XLs. Um, we can work out a deal. Shoot me a DM at Dreadful Talk Dom on Twitter and Instagram. Um, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram. 
Go subscribe on YouTube, please. It helps me so much. Subscribe to Dreadful Talk Podcast and Beat Me Boys Breakdown on YouTube. Like some videos. Thanks so much, everybody. I really appreciate everybody that watched and, you know, is, is a part of this experience and, you know, helps me grow. Thank you so much, everybody. That was episode 29. Next week's episode 30. I got a special guest for y'all. I'm excited. I'm going to keep it a secret, though. Y'all see this week. Stay tuned to my socials.